Hi, this is Abby Taylor, Administrative Assistant to Finance and Executive Receptionist, and you're listening to Taste of Harmons. Hi, welcome to Taste of Harmons. I am Brandon. I am Leslie. And uh, we're celebrating Pioneer Day. I almost said pie and beer, but we'll, we'll get, get into that, that in just yeah. a minute. Uh, we have a guest. It is Chef Aaron. How are you? Very well. Happy to be here. We are excited to have you here. I think that you are uh, a perfect person to, to talk about this topic, which we'll get into, which is the, the history of Utah and the history of our That's a big culture subject. and our food. I mean, we'll, we'll keep it somewhat condensed <laughs> and concise, but... Uh. Yes, it's only, what, like a 45-minute uh, podcast? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to give the Thereabouts. cliff note... Yeah. Well, I don't. Do they didn't even do Cliff Notes anymore? Do they? Okay, if you're old enough, or yeah, old enough to remember Cliff Notes, this is the Cliff Notes version. What is it? The Wikipedia version? Mm, no, what would be the Cliff Notes? I don't know what it is, but okay, yes, right. this is condensed version. Yeah, yeah, that works for me. So, so yeah, uh, Pioneer. I just I have to throw this little uh, plug. I guess is for for Pine Beer Day. Chef Leslie did a root beer pie, a frozen root beer pie, and with a with a waffle cone crust. Oh yeah, it was seriously it was one of the most amazing things that I've ever eaten. <laughs> I wanted a riff on beer, so I thought root beer, right? And then it just evolved into root beer ice cream, and then what goes well with root beer? I like myself a sugar cone. It's it's very it's tasty. Real good. So. We'll put that I, up. I have to mention that right at the very beginning. <laughs> go put to it on our the website. Go to our website, harmonsgrocery.com slash recipes. T- do it. It, yeah. it was it was You so need an good. ice cream maker. Other than that, it's pretty easy. Is hmm. it nice and creamy? It's so like, creamy. Oh. Uh, that's actually so creamy. And really then I delicious. actually it's like a root beer float in pie form. Oh, ab- yeah. That's exactly what and it then was. Yeah. I got Zatarain's root beer extract mm-hmm. with the sassafras. Ooh. So it's the real deal. Oh, yeah, so really, tasty. Really so do yourself a favor right Which now really as you're listening because apparently to this. A lot of people that. don't know root beer isn't so popular out of this state. Apparently, yeah, I've I've, you know? I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. I um, know very many people who think it tastes like medicine. I could see that it has it has some tiny anise qualities to it, licorice qualities to it. Yeah, it's like the birch root. It's the mm-hmm. yeah, but ooh. I like Anna. So. Iron port. Iron port, exactly. That's a very Are you familiar Utah. with Iron Port? What a was pre- that? Iron Port. Have I heard of it? Was that your question? Yeah. Uh, not that term, no. When they like used to have beer. soda shops? Yeah. Like yeah. it's a. It's like a root beerish. It's like a cola stepchild. I don't know. It's like cola and root beer. Put together. It had, it had a fling in yeah. Iron Port. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. excited. Along I with our like apple beer, right? Yeah, apple, apple beer is also another huge thing. Sars- sarsaparilla. Yeah. Root beer. Oh, sarsaparilla. We don't really have very much though now here, do we? I used to get sarsaparilla every time we used to go to Myers Chicken and Holiday. Oh. And they had sarsaparilla, sarsaparilla. there. Yeah, it was really <laughs> yummy. Well, with the ubiquitousness of the swigs and the thirsts and the thirsty and the all, I've never seen Fizzles. anything quite like it. There was, I counted 17 cars the other day at a drive-thru of a Thirsty. Is that what it's called? Thirsty? I don't know. I don't know. But there's... Whatever. There's a variety of those types of things. We're digressing. We'll have have to taste the root beer pie. Okay. Root beer pie. Nice. Yeah. Definitely do that. So, all right. So, Pioneer Day is a, a Utah holiday for those who are perhaps listening outside of Utah and may not know what, what that means. So, yeah, it is a basically a celebration that that utah does which is like a i want to say many but a lot of times it's not oh no it's, it's larger fourth of july like it's it's, it's a uh, very big sometimes i mean i always thought it was larger i thought it was supposed to be larger as a kid <laughs> i don't know it always seemed way more important than the fourth of july for some reason it's a it's a very passionate utah centric right. yeah you got your parades time. you got your rodeos you got your when is the fair september no, yeah. it's not a fair thing. You have your no. big Pioneer Day parade. Yeah. The rodeos, yeah. The all rodeos, of that, that yeah. stuff. Fireworks. Yep. So in, uh, you know, the, the Cliff Notes version of this was we have 
uh, a variety of pioneers, Mormon pioneers among them, coming over from from various places in the East, uh, Nauvoo, Illinois, all of that, moving over to find what they would call Zion, and they established Salt Lake City, and Utah ended up becoming a part of that. So uh, their settling date was the 24th of July, so that is why it It was the day that Brigham Young came through Immigration Canyon and looked upon the valley and said, this is the place. Of course, there were many people that had come here before the Mormons. The reason they knew about this place was because of all the fur trappers, Jim Bridger, uh, Jedediah Smith, and then you had... uh, Escalante and Domingo coming up from Mexico. And this was Mexican territory. This yep. was the, the time, state yeah. of Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Not the state. The country. <laughs> Mexico. Yeah, the country. <laughs> we gotcha. So, so yeah, so that is why we, we celebrate that. So, so, oh, you're going to... No, never mind. Go oh, ahead. I was just... In, so, Aaron, just, you know, with the whole idea of pioneers and their treks towards the West, eventually coming here... Uh, they're obviously bringing their culture, which is food related as well, with them. What types of things were they eating? And then we'll get into what the evolution of that and what we continue to to take part in today. Yeah. So um, the pioneers were basically, I mean, no fresh. Well, they did have fresh vegetables in the form of uh, um what was growing around. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, uh, swine, swine weed or pigs feet, pigs weed. It grows everywhere here. It tastes like, uh, spinach and, or goose foot is another one. It's called goose, goose foot, uh, camas bulbs. That's why camas is named camas is after the camas bulb, which they were eating. How did they know these things were edible? Indians. Did Indians come with them? Um, no, they were here. Okay. Um, but what they were bringing from home was completely different. You know, salt, fat, um, dairy cows, um, uh, and a little bit of meat, mostly in the form of pork. Um, and their main cooking item was a cast iron pot. And we love our Dutch ovens here in Utah. I think that's really the legacy that we've taken from our pioneer heritage is the Dutch oven, which its ancestor or its its um, progeny is the crock pot, which sure. I mean that is like the most recognizable cooking utensil in a Utah ki- kitchen for most Utahns um, is crock pot roast on Sunday. Right. You know, the International Dutch Oven Society is headquartered here. I think they're in Logan. Yeah. So they were eating things like, um, you know, what we would call um, pork belly, but they called it side pork. And then what they would do is render down the pork belly and then get all the, the pan grease and mix in some flour with the pan grease and make the roux for their gravy out of the, the pork fat. And then they would add uh, cream to that and, and have this pan gravy or water sometimes, uh, they, you know, if they ha- were had cream. Um, they were eating, there's a really fun, um, dish that they were eating called farts and darts beans. And it was just basically baked beans. Um, which I comes, I've never heard it called that. Yeah. That is awesome. Comes from the, uh, you know, the Northeast. Uh, and they were bringing a, one of the very, very popular things to eat because it was easy to make was brown bread. Um, which is a steamed molasses sweetened bread that's steamed in the can. Uh, we used, I think we used to sell it. I don't know if we still carry brown bread, but uh, that is a northeastern tradition of eating brown b- bread and uh, beans uh, together. They were making cornmeal cakes of every every kind that you could think. Uh, they had what they call um, quick pudding, what we would call polenta, um, just cornmeal pudding, but it, it's really just polenta. Lots of that, um, and you know these. Um, pioneer women would take whatever was left over from the night before's meat ration and and fresh vegetables they could uh, or fresh grains that they could get off the plains and mix that in with uh, corn pudding and make corn pudding they had a a very popular cherry apple pie um, which is still popular um, 
today that they were eating uh, as well. And so pies, corn, everything that you could think of because um, cornmeal was so cheap and so easy, you know, easily transportable. Um, and then when they got here, it was really rough. The first winter was really, really rough on them. Um, the The first year, they think they got a bushel of corn, one bushel. And um, how many hundreds of people were there? I don't know. I mean, there were 60,000 people that immigrated total uh, in in what they would call the, the Mormon immigration. Once the railroad came in, they, they pretty much um, stopped Counting. calling it the, the, the trek to Utah or the pioneer migration. Uh, that first year, that bushel of corn, it was said that Jim Bridger offered um, Brigham Young $1,000 for the bushel of corn because <laughs> it was so rare to have, you know, fresh corn. Um, and now corn, Utah corn is just real, real popular, real sweet, real yummy. Um, anyway, so they were, you know, stewed meat, um, slow cooking. Um, they had a bread that they would, uh, leaven in the, the warm wagon during the day. And then they would bake it at night. Um, but everything was pretty much done in a crock pot. Or not a crock pot, I'm sorry. A Dutch, a Dutch oven. oven. Um, and then when they got here, same thing. I mean, unless you grew it or raised it or knew what to eat in the wild, and there really is not a lot to eat in the wild here. I mean, deer um, and elk and, you know, you have big game and things like that. But as far as an abundance of fruiting vegetables, it's not like going to Hawaii where, you know, or, you know, somewhere green and lush and verdant. It's slim pickings. And so it was hard, hard um, and a little bit plain. You know, the food was. I would not have survived. <laughs> I would have been one of the. You, you might have. You might be surprised of what you can withstand. I don't know. Or not. I Maybe mean, it just wouldn't. sounds so desolate. And so like I've driven from Utah to Colorado and. It is just sagebrush. Yeah, yeah. Can you just imagine being a poor a, a child in a wagon and it's rickety and your like stomach is so starving and. It's interesting uh, the statistics on um, the immigration of the Mormon pioneers to Utah. Uh, their mortality rate is one of the lowest of really? all immigrating. Yeah, it was about three and a half percent mortality rate, and most of the handcart. Companies and well, the handcart companies had a little harder, but the wagon, the wagon companies coming over, which was the majority of the Mormon immigrants were coming in wagons. It was hard, but the mortality rate was very low. In fact, I think it was like one point five percent. For um, was any, it because they just took care of each other? And they knew how to. They were a hardy people, um, and they just took care of each other. Huh. Yeah, and and. Uh, the the one that we're all familiar with, the Willie Handcart Company that was stuck in Wyoming, uh, and we had to go and save them. They they skewed the uh, statistics because um, quite a few of them died. But for the most part, the trip was I'm not going to say pleasant, but successful, high rate of success. Um, so yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Not to say that it wouldn't be hard. Oh. But it... Extremely hard. Yeah. Can you imagine how, like, just the morale, you know? Having to keep morale up day after day after day. I don't know. I mean, you know, gravy, bacon gravy with uh, <laughs> with biscuits. If I had that for every meal... I'd... No. <laughs> Come on. After your 20th day, you'd be like, do we have to have that again? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right on that. When you eat high fatty foods that are rich like that, give anything for fresh grains. And I think that's probably why they got here and they were like, what can I eat that grows out of the ground? Yeah. And so they started eating foraging. And so, Well, one of the things I'm kind of curious about in relation to just how they did it uh, is 
just their their food supply in general. And I, what I'm meaning, um, and not so much in the 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 Mormon pioneers, but in looking at the Oregon Trail, um, one of their biggest uh, things that they consumed was was rice, and. I just, how are they trying? I mean, cause they're not growing that necessarily. So they're, they're bringing it, they're, they're bringing it from where they're um, coming from. And, and it's easily, you know, it's a grain, it stores well. But I'm still, the supply of like, how much would you need to, to last the, the, the length of the trek with, to feed the amount of people that they have? Like, I, I, I'm having a hard time just visualizing the quantity. I guess you just have to have needed. supply wagons. It, right? is, it is kind of hard to visualize the quantity. I mean, the Mayflower came over um, with 15,000 gallons of beer. Think 15, about that. <laughs> That's just, you know. And that was their water, right? I mean, that, that was their was water, just their right, right. Now, the Mormon pioneers didn't have 15,000 gallons of beer. Tongue in cheek joke. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway but like no, but that yeah it's a lot of that's a lot of of stuff and i you know i think somebody clocked it i think somebody said okay this is what you're going to need this is what you're going to eat every day this is your ration this is what you're going to need if you want anything extra you got to kill it find it or grow it yeah. and sometimes i'm i'm sure there were many hungry nights where they said okay if we want a rice pudding on sunday we're going to eat, you know, corn biscuits tonight or, you know, a, a smaller ration. But I'm sure everything was rationed to the meal to get over here. And still, yeah. um, and still, um, they were probably had, probably had some lean nights, you know, salt pork, um, that was probably not consumed well, on a explain daily. Explain to me exactly what hardtack is. Hardtack is just... Um, corn flour or wheat flour, a little bit of salt and water. And Mixed together. You mix it into a dough and you bake it till it's hard. And that stuff will last forever. It will, if it's pro- stored properly, you could eat hardtack from colonial times. So what type of, what type of nourishment is that going to give you? Um, carbs and protein. And, and what you do is you take your ration and you um, put it in whatever like soup. Soak. Yeah, whatever soup or pottage you have today at that day to soften it up to eat it. Because otherwise, is it, can, you, can you break it off with your teeth or is it like so unbelievably hard? Uh, you, you would, if you didn't have anything to soak it in, you'd probably put it in your mouth and, and wait till it gets soft. It's pretty hard. It's... Yeah, I, I think you can actually buy hardtack. Um, there are a couple of um, navies that still use. I was going to say, I would think tack. like an MRE type of a situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or camping, or I don't know. We have our energy bars now. Yeah, they're the hardtack of. A lot of the rations the that they have. Of hardtack. A lot of the rations that have now are loaded with fat, but back then you wouldn't want to put fat in your ration it would, because it would, it would go rancid. yeah, it would go spoil. It yeah. would spoil faster. So we kind of got off off on yeah, a yeah. tangent, but uh, but back to pioneer food. Think uh, rich, hearty, uh, lots of corn, um, and cooked in a crock or a Dutch oven. Yeah, but I mean, where has it gone from there? Um, Utah cuisine is not is not um, a simple cuisine. Everybody thinks it's simple. Fry sauce, green jello salad, all that stuff. That is not... Funeral potatoes. Funeral potatoes. But it's... Baked it's beans. Baked beans. Brandon makes some killer baked beans. I love baked beans. All right, I'll have to make give, you a little yeah. batch. Maybe you should give me the recipe and we can okay, hold test on it a for the uh, delicate You just testing. said it's not hey, simple. Yes. Well, you, okay. I, I, I care to differ. Why? You think that Utah is not simple? I believe Utah. For clarification. No, okay. I believe that Utah food is simple. Oh, okay. It is a meat and potato state. I think it used to be. Um, but, but we have a, we have a, a big um, orchard and growing culture here. You know, cherries, peaches, um, sheep. Um, so, yeah, meat and potatoes. We don't have a lot of 
um, fresh vegetables that we can grow all year round. Uh, so a lot of pickling and canning and storing of the things that we can get from abroad. Um, but I mean, I will say in the last 10 years, we've had a food explosion, which is why I came back to Utah. Well, there's also family, but for that, I'm, I'm simply saying like at its, at its roots, I don't know, maybe I'm. Oh, we had, we had other people here besides Mormon pioneers at that time. I mean, we had once the mining bust in California, uh, wound down, then all those industries that that worked with the miners started moving east and they were finding gold, you know, up Bingham Canyon and they were finding gold down in Marysville and and precious metals and and this this state is very rich in minerals. And so the, both the Mormons and non-Mormons were going out and and creating all these little mining towns. But with them came uh, people of color, people of Asian descent, um, the Greeks were coming in. You had a big Finnish population of Finns um, in Carbon County in Price. In fact, um, um, they still have a pretty rich and deep um, um, heritage there, and they celebrate that, uh, which brings its own cuisine in. Um, you know, we talked, we were talking a little bit earlier about the Greeks and their u- unique cuisine that they have. And, and maybe the problem, I think, is we insulate these pockets of populations because of, be, because of cultural biases or whatever, or just, I'm going to be Greek and this is my population. At some time, they were probably uh, discriminated against. And so they turn inward. And so a Mormon kid growing up in Sandy is probably not going to have access to the same rich and delicious broad spectrum of food because those cultures are isolated. But we had Chinese people here. We had Japanese people here. We had the Greeks here. And they had their own cuisines and their own, you know, Basques, lots of Basque uh, people here for the uh, sheep industry which Bingham Canyon was uh, and and Harriman was the largest sheep um, um, operation west of the Mississippi in the United States in Harriman. Isn't that I crazy? I had no idea. Yeah. I and knew so, the Basque culture was rich here, but. Yeah. Um, um, That's and fascinating. I was one of those kids, only I was in on the east side right versus Uh and i felt completely isolated and i thought i got to get out of dodge so when i was 18 you got out of dodge i got out of dodge but then it called me back and i really never spent any time west of redwood road and i was finding myself out there when i came back because that was where the awesome food was west valley is like the place to go for cuisine, mm-hmm. uh, varied ethnic cuisine. And I, I would imagine that there are some dishes that um, have changed from their, you know, their native nationality or where they came from endemically um, only because ingredients. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to adapt to that based on what's grown or what's available. Yeah. So, okay. you know, what's really funny, though, is the jello. The jello salad. Other than the jiggling, why is that funny? Well, no, I just remember as a kid, I would have it with like the fruit cocktail or mm-hmm. like frozen raspberries submerged in it, right? Or even like whipped cream put into it. So then it's cloudy. Oh, yeah. If you really want to, if you really want a horrifying descent into, <laughs> into food history, Dabble around the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and the Jello culture, the Crisco culture, these new, because um, because Jello is not new. No. Aspic and and gelatin and terrines and right. Those are as old, old school. Old school. And I'll throw in a little tack into here. Uh, in the Art of Oils episode, Aaron did talk a little bit about the history of Crisco's and things. So. Check yeah. that out if, if you're inclined, but sorry. No, 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 please. Um, but, I mean, putting hot dogs in Jello and and oh I've goodness. seen the pictures. Just it's atrocious. 
Yeah, and I, I think can't that, imagine the taste. I think a lot of that had to, a lot of the Jello. This is a personal opinion. I don't know necessarily if this is real, um, but you see the, you see those recipes coming, you know, and becoming popular during that time. Um, you know, the Ward Party. They're pretty easy to make, uh, pretty easy to put together, and uh, pretty easy to spice up. You know, let's throw yeah. some fruit cocktail in this jello and call it. Okay, so tell me about ambrosia salad. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even like it. I hate it. It's My dad absolutely loved it. Didn't it have the little achini? No, achini that's frog eye. Oh, that's yeah. frog eye. Fro- frog eye salad. But doesn't See, ambrosia with, have? With, with canned of mandarin oranges. Ambro- ambrosia is tricolored marshmallows with whipped cream and coconut. And, and mandarin oranges. Okay, have you... Have Don't, do, doesn't Harmon's have a... Ambrosia yeah. salad? Yeah. And a frog eye. And a frog eye. And you eye. can't take them off the menu because people get angry. We we have tried, and it's been a <laughs> and challenge. And come back. And, yeah. We what if we ju- just spruced it up a little bit? Make There's it no sprucing. <laughs> what, what are you going to spruce? Well, I, I, Lipstick on a pig. Th- Still a pig. That is a question for y- the two chefs in the room. Well... I mean, okay, so... I would, I would dare say that our ambrosia and our fry, frog eye are the spruced up versions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we make a coconut, we make a coconut custard. Because the, um, the ambrosia is what we still have at, like, Lagoon Days, right? We have that mm-hmm. there. And, and, and it's actually not... It's quite enjoyable, I will say. Like, I... It is good. It yeah. really is good. Yeah. And the frog eye salad it is really good. Soggy mini marshmallows never have a place anywhere. Eh, s'mores. Those are toasted and brown and beautiful. Soggy. I'm talking like liquid laden marshmallows. Anyway, you can tell I don't care for those. I don't. So, but you you mentioned this, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s with Crisco's and Jell-O's and stuff. Are you saying that's a dark period just because of of what? Is it just the the creation and trying to strip something down? Wrong kind of creativity, wasn't it? It was just a different time, I think. It just a different mindset. And, and cooking... So cooking went from being this maybe... Well, cooking, cooking at home by people living in the home is relatively new, um, a new concept. Uh, in England, the working class would usually have their ev- evening meal... Uh, during the Industrial Revolution, at a chip and uh, fish and chip house, or something like that. If you lived in the in the the country, a lot of times the meal was prepared by servants, not by the lady of the house. Sometimes it was. Some most of the time it wasn't. Um, you didn't have common refrigeration. You didn't have access to uh, equipment that was. Um, easy to use and so you're either cooking all day to create the meal for your family when things like the refrigerator the electric range uh the electric stove or the gas powered stove came into play you had this boom um and there's a really great book that you can read that talks about this it's called history or history in 100 recipes and it goes through 100 recipes from different times and it talks about really the evolution of cooking and and uh, the cooking at these different times. I'm not saying that people didn't cook at home. I'm saying the access to ingredients, tools to cook at home really started jump starting in the 30s. And then what happened is you had all these ladies going, oh, I only have to cook for an hour. I can cook. I'm going to cook for my family and it's going to be easy. And so then you have a whole bunch of recipes being spun out by different manufacturers, you know, the Pillsbury Company, the Crisco Company, Jello Company, and their and their their motherships, whatever you want to call them, saying, you can use this one ingredient a thousand different ways. And so you saw a lot of um, cookbooks coming and being published by food manufacturers who wanted you to use their product. It's sort of like a recipe on the label. Well, and it's sort of because in that time frame that you were talking about too was the boom of fast food. So it's almost fast food in your home in a sense. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, so the TV dinner. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay. I grew up on Stouffer's or Lean Cuisines. Yeah. Pop it in the microwave. Pop there's your the, dinner. Oh, yeah. I mean, think of all the recipes that came out when the microwave became a fixture in the home. And now the microwave is looked at as this, you know, evil beast. Reheat. That you, if you have to cook and you have to cook fast or reheat, you put it in the microwave. It is a wonderful tool. And, and, and a, you know. Who, what's the next microwave? It might be sous vide in 20 well, years. It's, it's the combi oven. It's the <laughs> yeah. steam combination oven, right? Yeah, but like the, the thing that our two generations removed oh, are going to say, oh, I'm not cooking in the sous vide machine. That's gross. <laughs> I'm going to get my bespoke, wonderful Dutch oven and spend five hours cooking this wonderful meal. You know, it's, it's funny how food... Food goes in circles and cycles um, where the the new thing oftentimes was the old thing. Sous vide cooking, uh, the pioneer of sous vide cooking was a chef in the Midwest um, who was freezing meals in bags and quick retherm would be to put it in a pot of boiling water. And, and, and now we think it's this really she-she way of cooking and the best thing ever and it's really not it's just boiling your food in a bag right um uh, i love now how pickling is all the rage right well we've been pickling for thousands of years and one of the oldest ways of preserving food yeah salting and pickling yeah back to the pioneers they were doing the same thing in fact um one of my favorite recipes comes from my pioneer great grandmother is uh um pickled watermelon rinds have you ever mm. had those? I have. They're delicious. I think we have a recipe for pickled watermelon rinds. On our website? I think we do. Possibly. Yeah. You pu- you pickle a watermelon rind and put that on a pulled pork sandwich, change your life. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put any any uh, barbecue sauce. It, it Which is so hilarious because the first time I ever ate pickled turnips in like a Middle Eastern type meal, and I was like, oh my, we do watermelon rinds just like this. Like, why would a pickled turnip be any different yeah yeah so what would you say and i don't think there's one so if you guys have one or two or whatever what would you say is the most definitive utah food oh my gosh cross rib roast the what the cross rib roast cross shoulder shoulder roast a, a, a chuck roast cross rib roast the i think for utah if we wanted to define utah meat let's say it it would be the beef cross rib roast and we do a great job with roast you know my mom didn't do a great roast bless her heart bless her heart not her forte uh, sure she has others but pot roast is our meat that's what i would say is our meat i'm going to follow that up with the best side the funeral potatoes sadly I recently went to a funeral, and there were three kinds of funeral potatoes there. One had cubes, one was hashed, another one had Ritz crackers on the top, mm. another one had cor- like cornflakes, corn <laughs> another one had potato chips. I had a carb overload that day. I have never been more happy. And I, I and I agree with in the midi in the midi um, Midwest. I'm sorry, not the Mid East. <laughs> Midwest states, they're <laughs> called different party country. potatoes. Party? Party potatoes. Well, I call them company potatoes now because funeral is just a I little... I just, honestly, I I've just the always called them just au gratin potatoes. It's just always But they're mine. not au gratin. No, but au gratin's they're, different. Au different. different. But they're no. a variation of them. No. Really? Mm. They're pretty close. Yeah. It's, a, okay. it's a bechamel sort of creamy cheese sauce that's mixed with potatoes. But funeral potatoes are usually shredded. And au gratin are layered sliced potatoes. Layered sliced. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question now. Have, Me or have him? I, Both of you. Oh, have uh-huh. either of you ever heard of a Dixie salad? I have not. No. Tell us. So my father grew up in Washington, right? Just outside of St. George. Washington, Utah. Washington, okay. Utah. And every single Thanksgiving... And 24th of July, we would have a Dixie salad. It always includes an apple. It always includes pomegranate seeds, arils. 
It always includes a pecan. Oh. It always includes whipped cream or Cool Whip. I have had this Cool Whip in my dad's, right? And you make this, and sometimes bananas, Uh and sometimes Uh marshmallows. Uh And it's this very sweet salad. Uh And it is a Dixie. I've tasted a variation of that, yes. Now, it's not a Waldorf, right? Because Waldorf's all celery and more California, right? But this is the Dixie salad. So when they were talking about changing the name Dixie, I would have a hard time because of the salad, not because of the university, not because of, it's like, what do you call that salad That's then? That's a pomegranate salad. It's time to change. <laughs> it's time to change. I, I would say another another uh, dish, and I, as soon as I say it, somebody's going to go, oh, I had that all the time, but um, sweet potato casserole. Sweet Never po- did. But no? Mm-mm. Mashed sweet potatoes. With the marshmallows on the top? Marshmallows or... Uh, my uncle makes it with uh, candied crushed pecans and a, uh, like a uh, pecan streusel over the top. Legendary. Which is so funny because in our and last podcast, we were both saying neither of us ever had that on our Thanksgiving table. Oh, no. Well, no. We had it on my, we had it on the Thanksgiving table. You just I never it. ate it. <laughs> oh. It's just cloyingly sweet for me. Yeah, that's, we never. Yeah. I just never got into that, but I, I, I know you're you're absolutely correct. It's a very popular so th- must-have. Th- th- that's you would say that's a Utah thing. Well, it, I mean, it I mean, if it, everywhere else, but it's very, it's very. Uh, I will go to different homes for for Thanksgiving, and it's got to be there. It right. has to be there. Right. Um, yeah. Ice cream. I would say ice cream probably is the quintessential utah dessert even more than jello agreed agreed in fact we actually our our ice cream consumption far exceeded that of jello a few years we were always the top state for jello consumption and then minnesota beat us and then ice cream i would say i would say the fastest way to a mormon's heart is through a bowl of ice cream i completely agree with you a thousand percent and and i have a story when hell's backbone grill uh James Beard award-winning restaurant in the Boulder. middle of nowhere, Utah, Boulder, mm-hmm. Utah, started by two wonderful um, uh, chefs, uh, Blake and Jen. Um, when they were going into the town, it was very, very rural Mormon Utah town. Um, they wanted to get a liquor license and they wanted to sell beer and, and wine. And they knew that that was going to be um, an unpopular thing in the town, so they they decided we're gonna we're gonna get the bull by the horn on this, and they had an ice cream social, and brought everybody in town. And it's so interesting how that that springboarded the conversation of them becoming an institution in their town. They buy produce and they buy local eggs and they buy local meat and everybody comes together to work that restaurant um and it really it really gelled the community rather than create a rift and it was the ice cream ice cream social i I wouldn't i wouldn't peg it completely on the ice cream social but but um ice cream seems to do a really do wonderful things it's like an icebreaker but well, I don't think outside of the state, <laughs> does anybody know what a concrete is outside of this state? Yeah, I think so. They do? Isn't yeah. that just Oreo concrete? No, it's not necessarily Oreo. It can be any flavor, but a concrete, in my mind, it is a hard shake. Oh. It's a harder shake, like the Nielsen's frozen custard, the all the different custard places. That's a concrete, and I don't. I, I, I don't even know what I had to it's ask. It's a hard you. <laughs> shake. It's it, not hard. It's not like hard ice cream, but it's. So you're saying it is like a. I mean, it's it not is, like soft serve. But it's a custard. Yes. Because like, I know. I, I think I have. I have done rabbit hole uh, invest investigations, whatever, uh-huh. over the years of, like there was a big part of milwaukee i want to say that was very big in the custard thing 
but I'll have to fact check on that. Yeah. So I'll, I don't, so I don't think it's a, a Utah specific and I'm not, thing, but oh really? Yeah, I the think, concrete. Yeah. You guys ever had um, slush? Do you know what slush is? Is it like well, a creamy? No. Uh, okay, it's then. the opposite. It's more like a granatine. So what you do is you make. Um, I don't even know what a granatine is, but I'm assuming it's like a. You mean like the Italian ice? Uh huh. Okay. It's like that, but you you freeze a juice. Usually, our family would do uh, grapefruit juice, so very bitter uh-huh. and usually not sweet. Uh huh. Um, and then they would almost bring it to frozen. The top would freeze, so it's slushy. And then you would break it into pieces and then serve it with Seven Up. So then you bring oh. the sweet oh. in, and it would get all slushy and kind of bitter a little bit. Okay. I've Ooh, had a, I've that had a form of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a so, uh, yeah. So speaking of desserts, and it was mentioned earlier, oh. beer. A uh, pie and beer is a... Oh, I was going to go bunt, but we can go pie and beer. Yeah. Well, I don't know where you would go with that. It's but, okay. But uh, We love our bunts here in Utah. <laughs> or bunt cakes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we can... I think we love dessert in Utah. And pie and beer We have day. sweet tooths. Oh, for yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. Major well, sweet Well, like, I, I grew up in my... my A day did not go, or I guess an evening did not go by after we finished dinner... Like it was mandatory that we had to have a dessert. Mm-hmm. Like it was my dad's. Okay, what are we doing for dessert? What would that consist of usually? It, it varied. I mean, whether scoop it was of ice cream? it could be just a scoop of ice cream. It could be strawberry you know, rhubarb cobbler. There's pie. I mean, there was just a wow. There was a variety. Of I was of the ideas. Pillsbury blueberry turnover person. That was my job. I would make them in the little canister Boop. and make the dessert, and it was the blueberry turnover. Nice. <laughs> So, yeah, so <laughs> as I was mentioning, the, the riff of Pioneer has turned into Pion Beer. Yes. Um, it's, it really has become a very large thing in Utah. Yeah. Um, so what would, what, what's, your, what's your take on, on the pie here for, for Pion, Pioneer Day? Um, what's your go-to? My go-to pie for Pion Beer Day is buttermilk pie. Hallelujah. That's awesome. You could not have said a better choice. I know it's so good. I I have had uh, I went. He's had went, an epiphany. Yeah, I went. Uh, I went back epiphany. east and had a had a buttermilk pie, and I loved it. He and was I in came, Tennessee, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I came back and was like looking up recipes and was like having make my wife made several, and it's okay. It's I have good. a whole quart of buttermilk in my refrigerator as we speak. So Leslie's making a buttermilk pie. It's my favorite. Pie. Who has a recipe? I, I'll give you a recipe. Okay. Yeah. Buttermilk pie. I, I like w- shoe fly sh- pie. I would like you to share that with me because I'm trying to find the it's best one. It's in the one. food for thought guide. The Crazy? buttermilk one? Is no, it? No, the shoe fly. No, no. I'm talking about, bu- I'm still on the I buttermilk. I think there's pie. a buttermilk <laughs> pie <laughs> recipe online. Okay, I'll, I'll double check. Check, check it out. If not, I'll reach out to you. But anyway, so can you said what? Shoe what? Shoe, shoe fly, fly pie. Shoe fly. Don't these are very me. These are That's very old school pies. It's like a molasses. Like, there's also a vinegar pie. There's a vinegar pie. It's the very. Pickle pie. Yeah. There's, I mean, go back to the basics that he was talking about. Like you, with what bare ingredients you had. Just throw, throw a tiny a bit pie. of sugar in there. I think I think for uh, we talked about apple and cherry pie. That's very popular. I love strawberry rhubarb. That's I grew up on strawberry rhubarb. We always had the rhubarb plant in the back. My mom would go out and cut it, get the fresh strawberries out of the garden. Are you, can rhubarb. you eat rhubarb all on its own? Yeah, you just can't have the leaf. No, no, I know that oh, it's me. toxic, but you oh. as a person, do you yes. enjoy eating the I rhubarb? I can eat the rhubarb all Raw. on its own. Yeah, I okay. grew up with it as well and can certainly. I, I, in fact, I kind of miss it. I feel like I... Need it again. It's been years. Yeah. Think we sell a, rhubarb every once in a while. Yeah, but it's yeah. yeah, that's just not one of those things that, you know, springs into mind. Um, so it have like now having this conversation, I probably should go to the store and grab one just to try. But it grows like a weed here. Yeah. It's so awesome. Um, peach pie, of course. I love peach pie, apple pie. Raspberries. Are you are you a a regular temperature pie do you like a hot do you like cold like what's your room temperature because usually what happens is the pectin will set right at room temperature and you won't get the runny pie a la mode is the way to go i'm kind of double crusted pie i love a lot of crust i love good 
flaky crust, though. I, yeah. I'm I'm not a fan of the of the graham cracker crust. I'll see a, a key lime pie. Uh, if I have a key lime pie with a graham cracker crust, I'm a happy camper. But graham cracker has its place. It right? does. And, uh, yeah. Same not, as American yeah. cheese. We recently made that <laughs> strawberry tart pie with pretzels. That oh, was yeah. very interesting. It was very salty. The crust. I just took but like it was little a, rods. It was of a pretzels. great combo with the yeah. sweet. I have a good friend that has pie day every year. On March 14th? No. No? <laughs> no. No. It's during the winter time, I think. I don't know. But there's their her parents make the most delicious chocolate cream, banana cream, but there's probably a hundred and fifty different pies at this party. Oh wow. Yeah. It's yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Speaking of that, uh just rattle off a few restaurants that are famous for their pies. I have a couple. Oh, then go. Well, I want you to. I I don't <laughs> Marie know. Marie Calendars. <laughs> Blasphemy. Less I think there's one more I think there's one Marie Calendars left in this state. Maybe two. They've gone the way of the dodo, although their strawberry pie used to be real, real good. So my qu- like that's the restaurant. Are they still selling the frozen Marie calendars? <gasps> oh, in the, in the they've probably gone that route. I haven't looked at the frozen section and seen that. I think they're I'm like sure we one of the that. largest. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's just a brick and mortar restaurant stuff. Yeah. There is a pie. There's a pie shop in Heber. I can't remember. June the pies. Name. June pies. And they're closing their brick and mortar. Oh, I've but they're going to reopen, I believe. They're open. They're open right now. They are. They're closing. I'm on their Instagram. Oh. So they're closing, but then I don't know if they're taking the summer off and coming back to a different location, but they are the sweet and savory real deal. Those people make a mean pie. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Pie is a dangerous subject in in my world because the best pies, I believe, are made at home. And so... But June pies is great. Okay. I, I don't know of a restaurant that makes a good pie because I usually don't order pie at a restaurant. Penny Ann's. Good pies. Left Front. Fork Grill. Insane pies. They make a chocolate cream pie and a banana cream pie that'll rock your world. Hmm. Who else? Remember Frontier Pies? Oh, I remember Frontier, <laughs> Frontier I thought that, Pies. I thought their pie was pretty good. Yeah. Village Inn had a good pie. I don't know. I'm just the name sounds familiar, but the Frontier Pie Place was that just a mom and pop? No, it was a chain. It was a, I think it was, was a Utah a chain? chain. I think I'll have to look it up. I, I was facts. young, so I could not tell you if it was outside of Utah, but it was definitely they had uh, good cornbread too. Uh, you guys are talking an awful lot about good sweet pies. Um, I'm just curious about like meat pies and stuff. Oh, and I know this yeah. has nothing to do with That's Utah, okay. but um, like my sister who no, lives. It could. No, it could. Well, no, no, it no, no, sure no, no, no. could. My, my, my story that I'm telling has nothing oh. to do. My, so my sister now lives in Tasmania. So when she came to visit, she brought, she cooked for us an, uh, an authentic, I don't know if it's Australian or Tasmanian. I know they're kind of one on the same, but not, um, but uh, an authentic meat pie that was so delicious. Is that a pasty? Or is did that a Joffles? Yeah, no, that's South uh, African. Did it have uh, mushy peas in it? Um, it was a while ago. She sent me the recipe, so I'll look that up. But uh, but I'm like I do like a good sweet pie and a fruit pie. I I I do. But I also really like like the oh, man, the, the chicken pots like the and chicken the meat pies. pies and yep. Do you know Do you know the interesting history pies, about pie? Is they used to use encroute or pie crust to a kind of like um, a cooking vessel. And it was actually discarded. You didn't eat it? You didn't eat it. You ate what was inside, but you didn't eat it. That was the or- origins. And then they they got this bright idea of, oh, let's make the crust taste good and eat it with, you know, beef wellington. Um, but they would use it. They would use it as the cooking vessel to steam something or so it's probably extremely sturdy it oh, wasn't yeah. like, like crazy a, flaky or anything like that yeah, it was more yeah. like yeah like a water and dough crust yeah you know something right. that would bake up hard yeah and so but but yeah that's where the evolution i could eat of puff pie. pastry every single night just looking at the recipe no no peas no, no peas. peas okay oh man okay so beer that's what i'm having so, tonight uh, there's pie, pie and there's beer and we there's have, the beer yeah Root beer. <laughs> we talked about root beer already. But. Apple beer. Yeah. Uh, and we can go like 
just also just another tack into this. We did an episode with Bohemian Brewery. If you, so if you are inclined about learning a little bit more about beer and the process, go and check that out. But that's another that very said, cool thing, right? Because we've gone from, forgive me, your Michelobes, your Coors, your Millers. And now we're like, oh, we only make Czech style beer. How amazing is that? And, and Utah is just think of like, yeah, when we were kids, there were very, very few microbreweries yeah. in Utah. Now you have Bohemian, you have Shades of Pale, you have um, Epic, you have Wasatch, Squatters, Squatters Uinta, uh, all uh, of it. Uh, Sh- Sugar House, uh, so many microbreweries. I mean, we're not Portland, but it's just this, it's just a real, forgive me the word, testament to um, Utah growing out of its pioneer roots and so many new types of pioneers you know that's that's another pioneer is the brewing industry and the distilling industry in utah well i mean i i think part of that too is there's that whole concept of pioneer coming in right that's we're, we're still dealing with that today. We have people, other cultures, other states coming into Utah, and they're going to be bringing their own ideas into it. So, of course, those areas are going to expand. I want to talk about so, the coffee culture. Well, I can go on and on and on about coffee. Brandon's favorite beverage. Yeah. But that's not pie nor beer. Right. So. <laughs> but to your point of, yeah. of, of continued immigration and continued pioneers, uh, Daybreak, um, where I used to live and that South Jordan Harriman area we have an influx of um, people coming from India in that area and great Indian cuisine I mean you have saffron circle uh, you have um, Himalayan kitchen their fish sticks are awesome um, but and then we have a Hindu temple out there you know and I, the people that live right behind me they were uh, Indian and every Sunday the most insanely delicious curry smells were coming down the alleyway. It was just awesome. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, you see these new cultures coming into Utah all the time. And the, this dot-com boost, or the tech boost, not dot-com boost, that was 2000, <laughs> yeah. 2008. And that, and that was bad. <laughs> the tech boost. The, but the, the Silicon Slopes, that's going to bring a whole new slew of pioneers to Utah. Yeah. And so Pioneer... Pine Beer Day, I think, is a great inclusive way of saying to people in Utah. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets to have a, a place at the table, whether yeah. you've got root beer or shades of pale. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. And hopefully there's a parade next year. It would be nice to kind of get back to some of the old... I was going to say, or a rodeo, or... They're still doing uh, fireworks. You can social distance for that, but... Yeah, I think Utah's probably one of the only states that the fireworks uh, merchandisers stay up for the entire month. I remember uh, a colleague who was new to Utah, and they were like, why aren't the fireworks people gone? (laughs) The fourth is over. Oh, you 24th. haven't seen anything yet, yeah. sweetheart. Is what I basically said. <laughs> I love how I love how we the this city municipalities, you know, uh, will pick a pick a time of the year or a, a holiday, and we pretty much have fireworks from Fourth of July all the way into Labor Day, which is kind of cool. I think you can go see fireworks on Labor Day as a Payson. There's one of the cities that d- does fireworks on Labor Day. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, a lot of people with skittish dogs yeah, it's pretty rough. would not say that that's a good thing. Yeah. But well, but uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. That's, a, that's a whole other conversation. That is a as whole well. other conversation. But for this pioneer slash pioneer day, however you want to celebrate, uh, pick up a pie, pick up a beer, whether it's root beer, apple uh, beer, apple beer, uh, Michelob, or. <laughs> Or a bohemian garden. What, whatever, whatever suits your fancy. And also, when you're gathered with your families, socially distant, of course. Yes. Just, just bear in mind with that. But when you're 
out with your families watching fireworks, whatever, and you're eating your Utah cuisine, just, you know, maybe think back of the culture that, that brought that and where that came from and, and take part of that. Yeah. yeah. I would say a long way. what's going to be your 24th go to meal. Oh, he's putting us on the spot. Go, Leslie. Honestly, I see a really beautiful Wagyu <laughs> blue cheese hamburger mm. in my future. <laughs> I'm kind of, uh, that, that's still, I mean, granted when this is airing, it is the 24th, but we're recording this a little bit ahead of time. I can't plan that far ahead. It's going to be a barbecue of, I'm going to grill or smoke something mm-hmm. and it will either be either burgers or maybe a brisket or something. I uh, don't have, I don't stick to the, to the food culture aspect. I sort of have my own thing. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of do I may need I to do ribs. I don't know. We'll see. Beans and potato salad along with that burger. Oh yeah. And watermelon, corn. Yes. Grilled corn, watermelon. Corn is a, is a staple for sure. Burgers or steak. Um, yeah. And my mom's iced tea, which has lemonade in it. Mm. And cloves. They she steeps tea? this tea in cloves. Smoked tea? Yeah. yeah. We have. I've had smoked tea. Yeah. I just Delicious got a smoker, thing. so I'm like looking at a... <gasps> you I, did? I, I got a, new, a better smoker. So the oh. one that I had before, I couldn't do a whole lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. So I'm like looking at all sorts of stuff. And I was like, a smoked tea. That sounds interesting. But you get one of those smokers, and I tell you what, can I smoke that? <laughs> you can smoke anything. You can smoke butter. You can smoke anything. Honestly, this is like way inside baseball here. <laughs> but um, Chef Aaron and I, uh, we took a trip, and we went to the California Institute. Uh, what was California CIA? CIA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and they had a sm- we did we did the recipe for the carrots and as a how-to, but they, uh, the chef uh, B Train is her nickname or handle. Mm-hmm. Um, she did a smoked carrot puree oh, that was so, so good. good, and that's one of the things that I'm like I have to do <laughs> I have to do this, and she we did it with with the carrot recipe, so it was a good combination. So that's going to be one of the things that I do pretty soon. So smoked carrot puree. It smoke jello smoke carrot I'm is this a jello. competition is this is this a, is this a competition are we gonna do is this a challenge no i don't like competition <laughs> and, all righty well are we gonna end it on that yes yeah, so yeah uh wait you don't believe me no. well so you, well, I'm just going to go back. So you're going to do burger or a steak. Is that what you said was your thing? Burger. I, I love the blue cheese idea on the burger. So good. Um, maybe some um, red fox cheddar mixed in with the burger. That's really good too. Have you ever had burgers with the lot? It's an Australian thing. Burgers with the lot. Yeah. No. So pickled beet, egg, arugula. Um, oh, that's where those fixins came from at Just cheese. Burgers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. not mixed in. It's it's a. Uh, it's like a topping. No, it's topping. Oh, okay. Yeah, pickled pickled beets, egg, and uh, lettuce. I put arugula. A on hard boiled egg. A, no, no, no. A fried egg. Yeah. Oh, fried runny egg. yolk, fried egg. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, runny yolks are good on most that's, anything. That, that's a staple of every burger in my family. Just throwing that out Have there. Have you ever had it? Oh. But the the pickled beet thing, I'm not down with. But uh, Harmon in years past has done the uh, the fried the, the fried beets. Yeah, we did the fried. That beet. was so tasty. Yeah, I think that was the it's so good a burger. Yeah, yeah. Are they tangles of beets? <coughs> yeah, it was the, the spiralized, spiralized, and then we just and you fry them. Fried those and put those on there with gouda. What else do we have on there? Some stuff. Why has the fry culture, like you got your sweet potato fries and you got your regular fries. Why haven't other vegetables become a fry? Uh, fried I, zucchini, fried uh, I mean like at onion a, rings. Oh, okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> All right. Like at and wings be, places. And before we get too far out of there, so we're going <laughs> to... We done? No. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. So, uh, yeah, like us on... Uh, <laughs> 
Just, say. Just like us, please. Yeah, like <laughs> us on the Twitter tubes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I uh, hope you have a happy Pioneer or Pioneer. And yeah, definitely be safe and socially distant, please. Please, yes. let's... Let's get this over with so we have our lives back next year. Yeah, and get a bucket of water for those fireworks. No fires. No fires. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Please visit us at harmansgrocery.com.